We are CEOs, executives, educators, and professionals from all sectors of society who support the global expansion of betterment in the world through joy and joyly. I'm your host, Cheryl Lynn, founder of the Chair of Joy Experience. Together, we have developed the World Council of Joy, and our council invites CEOs and innovators from impactful organizations to the Joyly podcast. We showcase how generous, bold, and fully engaged they are in their work and what a culture of joy is to them. My name is Chris Morwood, and I am from Colorado, Golden, Colorado. And I am a educator and a author of books. I also have a business here in Colorado. It is a consumption-friendly event space. It's over in Lakewood, Colorado. And I work in the cannabis industry. So I am doing education around the country. Obviously, this last year has been a little bit on the challenging side for everybody. And especially as an event center, I've had quite a bit of time to reflect on what is happening in the world. So this is really an exciting opportunity for me to get out there and share what brings joy to me in my life right now. And I appreciate the, uh, the invitation. You kind of become a nomad in this industry because you go from state to state as states legalize. And right now it is only medical. So they have an opportunity to put it on the ballot for 2022. That is something that is going to happen probably past the tipping point for medical cannabis here in the United States, but we still have a lot of work to do as far as adult use. So my purpose, I believe right now, is to really get out there and educate. And I have written three books on cannabis. They're children's books which kind of surprises people. And I think that we have an opportunity to re-educate people. So it's not just the main thing of educating people from the get-go. It's more of a let's re-educate them because the information that we've received in the last eight years has been incorrect. Our, the country was founded on hemp. And how we treat this moving forward for both a physical wellness as well as mental health perspective is really important, but it's also important to get accurate and correct information. Is resiliency or resistance, I would say, from certain fractions, um, obviously, the 1937 Tax Act was based on several factors. So hemp, cannabis, marijuana, our country basically was founded 40 acres and a mule. You had to you had to have a certain percentage of your land had to be growing hemp. In World War One, World War Two, we used hemp for ropes, for sails, for clothing, for soldiers, you know, uniforms. But what happened was we had some very powerful people in the oil and gas industry, in the timber industry all of these industries that were threatened by hemp because hemp is a very, very useful product. So I would say we're still kind of facing that today. Uh, we're facing a lot of opposition from big pharmaceutical companies. We're facing opposition from the alcohol industry, facing opposition from big tobacco, facing opposition from oil. So it really hasn't changed too much. <laughs> but I also think that there's a lot of... Uh, 
people right now that are doing this education. So I work in conjunction with several organizations that are basically the most well-rounded and knowledgeable people, Cannabis Nurses Network, LEAF 411, Marijuana for Medical Professionals. So these are all people that are professionals that are really helping reduce the stigma and change and normalize this conversation around this, this planet. So my personal resilience for educating people in the campus space is motivated, number one, by the fact that I am a consumer of this plant. I have seen numerous people that has helped for medical reasons, for mental health reasons, and just as a health and wellness product, but also as an environmental product. So that's what drives me and keeps me moving forward is really the knowledge that I've gained. Uh, I've been in this industry since 2013. I have been a consumer for a lot longer than that. But for me, the most important thing is keeping myself up to date on education. And it's amazing the amount of studies right now that are finally being able to bring forth. So that gives me big hope for the future and that's what keeps me resilient in this industry. If I could wave a magic wand and have unlimited resources and time, I would definitely say working on food insecurity. It is something that is very near and dear to my heart. It is also something that I think we have seen in this last year during the pandemic, a huge break in the supply chain. And I think that our forefathers, um, most indigenous people, all knew how to cultivate, they knew how to work the land, they knew how to locally source their food. And we've taken that away from people. And when I look at the industry that I work in, especially around hemp, agricultural hemp, agricultural hemp is a pure protein. It is 100% has the ability to solve world hunger. It also has the ability to remediate the soil. It has the ability to uh, build houses. So if you're looking at feeding populations and making them self-sufficient and giving them something that they can grow, we've disconnected ourselves not only from our food supply chain, but we've also disconnected ourselves from the way our food is grown. And so most of our food has genetically modified organisms, it has steroids in it. When you mass produce anything, and including cannabis, we have an issue in this industry as well, but when you mass produce anything, you have to add things like growth hormones and pesticides and because you're growing on a massive scale or if you're growing, you know, you're raising chickens or, or, or beef, you have many issues that come up. So teaching people how to go back to their natural roots and learn how to cultivate their own food, how to be self-sufficient, and how to help their neighbors because we're, we're really in a disconnect right here. And I think that 2020, if it showed us anything, it was that we need to work together to solve these problems. The biggest one, the biggest joy of my life has been connection with my children. And I have adult children, so that has you know, changed a lot over the years. They are in their 20s. And last, in December of 2019, I was able to fulfill my bucket list and my dream, which was taking them to Africa. And we went on a safari, but I was there for work. It was a cannabis conference, but I utilized it as a springboard to take my children, 
have them all to myself in the middle of nowhere. And it was my dream, but it was the most magical experience that I think I've ever had with them. As you know, when they're little, you have a lot of shuffling and caring and taking care of them. And just to see them as the adults that they are, to experience something in the world that I wanted to experience myself and sharing that together, that was just beyond. I would have to say with my mother, I was her caregiver for many, many years. Uh, she passed away about three years ago, but I had the opportunity to really spend quality time with her. She lived with my family and I for about three years after my dad passed away. And I would say just being able to experience it was the small moments. It wasn't, you know, when she was, uh, when my kids were younger, she, she traveled with me a lot when I would, was working. She spent a lot of time with them. But just to see the amount of knowledge that she had throughout her life and the reason that she became the person that she was and to see her become vulnerable as, you know, as we all do. We all are, are aging and we all are going to at some point have that point in our life where we need help. And she was a fierce, very strong, independent woman. She was the oldest of six children. And so really being able to see her vulnerable and needing me, which I needed her my whole life, it was, it was something that I think I got the most peace and the most joy from was spending time with her. Being present um, without, I, I know technology is a wonderful thing, but I think that we've lost that connection because I, even when you're with people, they're still answering their cell phone, they're still answering a call or, oh, I gotta get this text or I'll be right back. Whereas we really have taken that sense of personal connection with each other away because we're always somewhere else. We're always waiting for a call or we're always waiting for a text or we're always connected to the outside world, which being connected with yourself, number one, is hard to do when you're constantly being interrupted. But being present and being connected with someone else is much, even much harder because you can't control other people's actions. You can't ask them to put their self on away. Uh, but it's, it's kind of the reality of where we live. So if I sat in my chair of joy three times a day, I probably would be much more relaxed. I, my body would probably feel much better. And I think if the world sat in their chair of joy, three times a day. I think you have to have set and setting though. I think you have to have intention when you're doing this because for us as humans, even when I do yoga or I meditate, we tend to wander. Our mind gets in that little, you know, chatter and you have to quiet your mind. So it's like anything is concentrating and really setting your intention for why you're sitting in that chair. So I definitely think if people had the opportunity to think about the joy in their life, especially in today's times, it would definitely change the, the perspective of the world. It would definitely change each individual person, which in turn would change the perspective of their communities. And outward from that, it would change the perspective, hopefully, of the world. That if people were connected to their own joy, but if you think about some of the things that bring people joy, greed, power, things like that, we have to change people's mindsets. It's not just what brings them joy. It has to be a collective process for the world 
what would bring the world joy. And that means thinking about other people and not just thinking about yourself. And I think that while there are so many good programs, I worked in nonprofit for 20 years. And for me, that is the most important thing is trying to find something that can assist people and the planet while doing philanthropic deeds. But most people really are so centered on what's going to make them happy that it has to be an outward expression and it has to be something where people really are thinking about other people. So it can't just be your own joy. It, 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 that's unfortunately, you know, the reality of the, the world we live in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.